On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we catch up with Tim Bradley, former two-division world champion, current ESPN broadcaster, get his thoughts on Tiafimo Lopez uh, and his performance this past weekend. We're also going to break down the big fight on the schedule this Saturday, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk. The rematch is finally here. And also going to give you my top 10 best fights on the upcoming boxing schedule. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live presented by John Boy Media. I am your host, Dan Kenobi. I thank you every single week for joining me here on the podcast. Got a fun one planned today. Tim Bradley is here. He was our interview this week. We're going to talk about Tiafimo. We're going to talk about this Joshua Usyk rematch because the big fight is finally here. I told you for the last couple weeks it was a little slow in the boxing world after a frantic three or four uh, weeks there, or I would say even longer from April to about June, and now business picks up in a big way. Some big fights on the horizon, and it starts off this Saturday over in Saudi Arabia. Alexander Usyk looking to knock off Anthony Joshua for the second straight time. A lot of big stakes here for Anthony Joshua. He wins. He's probably going to fight Fury next. If Usyk wins, probably going to fight Fury next as well. But for Joshua, I think his career is on the line. He can still fight on, of course, but I think if he wants to be looked at as an elite uh, heavyweight and he wants these big fights with big-time money, whether it's against the Fury, whether it's against Deontay Wilder, he has to win on Saturday night. How is he going to go about that? How is he going to win this fight? That's when we bring in Tim Bradley, get his thoughts on that. Uh, just personally, from, from my standpoint, I think that he has to figure out a way to blend uh, you know, being aggressive with his jab. Uh, I've told you this for the last three or four fights of Anthony Joshua since that Ruiz fight. He's jabbing more and more. Uh, his last fight with Usyk, it was a terrible game plan where he came out and threw almost 70% of his thrown punches were jabs. What happened to the ferocious Anthony Joshua? You know, what happened to that seek and destroy Anthony Joshua in those fights previous to the Klitschko fight before he got chopped, uh, dropped by Klitschko? You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Of, of course, he was fighting lesser opponents in that lead-up before Klitschko, so he was able to stand in the pocket, trade, and knock guys out. I think he tasted the, the canvas in that Klitschko fight. I think he realized, oh, crap, um, if I really want to make the amount of money that he has gone on to make, I have to figure out a way not to get hit on the chin. And the best way to do that is to jab, 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 but it's become a problem for him. Uh, it's become to a point where he's just too cautious. Go in there, throw your right hand, be more aggressive. We'll see if that's the case uh, when he gets Robert Garcia in his corner for this one, if he can take out Usyk. Usyk, on the other hand, southpaw, uh, just a generational talent, maybe the best pure boxer in the sport today. He can go in there, handle his business. Keep in mind that 12th round, uh, uh, Joshua was on jelly legs. When Usyk stepped on the gas pedal, he had Joshua hurt. Will he come out and do that early on in this fight and prove a, and make a big statement? I love this fight for so many different reasons for the actual X's and O's inside. I love a good rematch and also for what it could bring afterwards. We're going to ask Tim Bradley if he thinks that Tyson Fury will come back because that's the fight. If Joshua finds a way to win, Joshua versus Tyson Fury, undisputed Wembley Stadium uh, 2023 for all the marbles. You're talking about one of the biggest fights you were ever going to see. Uh, that's how much is on the line this weekend, this Saturday, Saudi Arabia. You know, I'll be working for CompuBox, uh, counting the punches. I can't wait for that one on Saturday. Big night Saturday night, too. we got Saturday night. Showtime is putting on a card. Ah, man, what happened with this one? Adrian Broner uh, pulling out of the fight on Monday, citing mental health. And if you have been following Adrian Broner, most boxing fans know who he is. Uh, most non-boxing fans know who he is because he's always a guy that ends up uh, in the media, TMZ, uh, what have you, a guy that is outspoken, a guy that has very outlandish behavior, someone that we have looked at in the boxing world and kind of laughed it off. You know, that's just A.B. being A.B. You know, Showtime has done, you know, kept giving him second chances. Al Heyman, keep giving him chances after chances. I mean, come on, the guy fought Manny Pacquiao. I mean, there wasn't any bigger fight you can give to a guy uh, when Manny Pacquiao was still fighting. And that's the type of attraction Adrian Broner could be. Uh, but the attraction was coming was becoming bigger than the actual in-ring skills. I thought he lost his last fight to Giovanni Santiago. He was almost outlanded, I think 2-1 to one in that fight. You know, he just doesn't let his hands go. Not that exciting of a fighter in the ring. Everything leading up to him stepping in the ring 
is exciting, I guess, or is, you know, you're curious. But he pulls out of the fight citing mental health. And this is when things went off the rails. Omar Figueroa, his opponent, is someone that has openly struggled with mental health issues. Depression, anxiety, has become an outspoken person and an advocate. I think that's great. But once he found out that the fight was off, Figueroa took to Twitter or social media and said things like, uh, you know, basically, show me proof, Broner, that I, I, don't, I don't believe you, was, was what Omar Figueroa said. And to me, that is the one thing you should not say to someone that's suffering mental health issues. That is the thing that all the detractors say. I don't believe you. Show me proof. That's why. That's what the reason why people don't come out and admit they have problems. I need help. So I, that part didn't make any sense to me from Omar Figueroa. I understand he's pissed off that he's trying to fight Adrian Broner. He's been trying to fight him since like 2018. I think this when this fight was first trying to be made. But here's Figueroa's. As we all know, my fight against that MF Broner is now off. I don't mind because this is something we expected, so we had plans in motion to mitigate most after the aftermath. What really pisses me off is that how this MFR wants to use mental health as a, an excuse. Not saying we don't suffer from mental health issues, as we all can tell you. Just don't use it as an excuse now. Please show me proof that you went and sought professional help. That's ridiculous. Brona doesn't have to show anyone proof. He doesn't have, owe anyone anything. Doesn't owe Figueroa anything. Doesn't owe Showtime. Doesn't owe you, the fans at home. Doesn't owe, owe anyone besides himself. So that part about it I didn't really like. What I do like is Showtime having a backup plan and bringing in Sergey Lipinets to fight Omar Figueroa, which I think is a way better fight on paper. I actually love that fight a lot. But that's Saturday night over on Showtime. Over on ESPN, you're going to see uh, Navarrete, Emmanuel Navarrete. He's the WBO featherweight champ uh, fighting Eduardo Baez. Love Navarrete style, fan-friendly. Want to see him in a big fight. When is that going to happen? This past weekend, we saw Teofimo Lopez. In action, I thought he looked good, not great. Uh, I can't really put my finger on what Tiafimo is right now. You know, a guy that has never been like a fluid type of fighter, throws under 50 punches around, has game-changing power, maybe fell in love a little bit too much with that power. One fight in 22 months. Only sparred 15 rounds for an entire camp? That's just bizarre to me. So we'll get Tim Bradley's thoughts on Tiafimo. Uh, what his ceiling is at 140, some of these guys that are circling in the water for Tiafimo, guys like Arnold Barboza, Regis Progre, Zapeda, Josh Taylor. I was surprised. I put out a, a video after the fight, you know, like, would you favor Tiafimo over those top guys? And obviously, like, I probably wouldn't favor him over Josh Taylor. I would maybe favor him over Progre. Cepeda and Ramirez, but and it was a resounding like no, like people were <laughs> did not think much of Tiafimo's performance on on Saturday night. But that's just boxing fans in general. Uh, that's just the culture. It's like what have you done for me lately? And lately from Tiafimo has been a lot of delusion coming from his camp. Uh, not a lot of fights, a lot of talk. Even afterwards, saying that he has an ESPN pay per view lined up in December. Haven't heard anything from Top Rank to confirm that. Uh, Dan Rayfield did some good reporting and showed that UFC actually has a pay per view that night. And from uh, what I've seen is that ESPN and Top Rank and UFC don't put pay-per-views up against each other. I do know that Tiafimo has a, three, a new three-fight deal with Top Rank, and one of those fights calls for a, a pay-per-view. doesn't mean it has to be next. Uh, there's only X amount of pay-per-view level fights for Tiafimo right now. One of them would be Josh Taylor, and I think that he is caught up with Jack Catterall. I also don't believe Josh Taylor can enter the United States because of his connections with Daniel Kinahan and then MTK. Uh, Zepeda is fighting Progray next, so you can knock those two out. Ramirez is getting married because he was supposed to fight uh, Zepeda. So all those top guys are all out. That leaves Arnold Barboza, who was in attendance, who's been calling out THVMO nonstop. That fight, December 10th, Heisman night, put on regular ESPN, huge. It would be a, a great night of boxing. Put Xander Zayas on the card, too. I think is an awesome, awesome talent who also fought this past Saturday. Then we got something going there. Uh, but that is what's going on in the boxing world right now. We're all gearing up for probably the uh, it's what's going to set off the second half of boxing. Uh, the fourth quarter of 2022 is this Joshua and Usyk fight. And it had me looking ahead to the remaining boxing schedule. I put together my top 10 fights on the remaining boxing schedule now there are some disclaimers here these fights have to be announced so therefore the promoter or the network has to have announced it so spence crawford 
not going to be on my list. So don't come uh, knocking down my door if I don't have Spence Crawford uh, on this list. But I'll start it off at number 10. Bam Rodriguez versus Israel Gonzalez. This is going down on the uh, Triple G Canelo card. I had this at 10 because uh, I just think anytime Bam Rodriguez fights, it's you're, it's worth tuning in for. He is uh, one of the best young fighters in the game. I think he's on his way to being the 2022 fighter of the year. Israel Gonzalez is someone that fought uh, Roman Gonzalez. Uh, Chocolatito, they threw a shit ton of punches. So I think this could be a fun fight, and I think it will be an entertaining fight. And uh, I love Bam Rodriguez, so he's number 10 on my list. Coming at number 9, Shakur Stevenson taking on Robson Conceição over in Newark. A homecoming fight for Shakur. September 23rd on regular ESPN. Love this. A Friday night fight. Stevenson, I believe, is on a rocket ship to the top. He's going to be the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the next 18 to 24 months, if not sooner. He's on a great trajectory right now, fighting guys like Jamel Herring, uh, fighting guys like Oscar Valdez. Uh, he has wins over Joe Gonzalez, has wins over Pitbull Cruz. And now you add Conceição, who arguably beat Valdez Stevenson is, you know, he's putting together a, a resume at age 23, 24 years old. Uh, you know, that is very impressive. So that's a fun fight over on ESPN on September 23rd. That's Stevenson and so coming in at 9. Number 8, heavyweights. Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz, September 4th, a Sunday night Fox pay-per-view. Really like this fight. Uh, whether you don't like it, the fact that it's on pay-per-view, whatever. There are a ton of pay-per-views on the schedule coming up. Uh, unfortunately, if you're not someone that likes to throw down for pay-per-views in the upcoming schedule. But I do like this fight on paper as a pure boxing match. Uh, Ruiz wants to get those big fights again. Ruiz wins. He's going to fight Deontay Wilder. Uh, that's just my opinion, and I just think that's what the PBC has wanted for a really long time. Luis Ortiz stands in the way, a guy that um, beat Charles Martin in his last fight. Very vulnerable, but also has a lot of power. Love this fight. Uh, should be a fun one over on Fox Pay-Per-View. That is on September 4th. That comes in at number 8. Number 7, Joseph Diaz versus William Zepeda. This fight came out of nowhere. Uh, Jojo Diaz will fight anyone, whether it's Devin Haney. Um, you go, go down the list. Uh, Fortuna. This fight's going down November 5th on regular DAZN. This is a perfect Southern California regular subscription DAZN fight. Love it. That's coming in at number 7. Number 6 is a fight. That just got announced last week, and it set the British boxing Twitter abuzz. Chris Eubank Jr. and Conor Ben born rivals. October 8th, the zone pay-per-view over in the UK. I don't know if it's going to be on regular the zone here. I love this fight. Eubank Jr. coming down from 160 to fight at 157 catch weight. Conor Ben coming up from 147. Conor Ben has a really heavy punch, a uh, little uh i would say rugged or they really doesn't um hasn't really been polished you know can't get any of these big one uh names at 147 in the ring with him i think it makes sense from that standpoint uh neither guy is close to getting a champ in their the weight class you know eubank jr he ain't getting anyone at 160 160 is a freaking mess right now connor ben's not getting thurman he's not getting spence he's not getting crawford He's not going to fight Boots. He's not going to fight Virgil Ortiz. So these two match made in heaven throw in the fact uh, their fathers had one of the biggest rivalries in the history of British boxing. This is like Eddie Hearn's printing money. Uh, you know, Eubank Jr. And, and, and his promoter, they're printing money. O2 Arena is going to be buzzing on uh, October 8th. That's number six. Number five, we're into our top five. Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker, September 24th, BT Sport, a fight between two top 10 heavyweights, Joe Joe Joyce, I think, is so underrated. I want to see Joyce in there with some of these top uh, names. Fight, kind of fights like George Foreman. Slow, methodical, doesn't always look great, gets hit a lot, but somehow wins every fight that he's in. And Joseph Parker has fought everybody. You know, he's a solid, solid fighter. I love this fight. Evenly matched what heavyweight boxing should be all about. All right, number four, Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner. This is going down September 10th. Regular ES, oh, excuse me, ESPN+. Plus. They don't like each other. Genuine hate between these two. Meyer, I think, is the better boxer all around. You know, throws a lot of punches. Then you got Alicia Bumgarner, who is the knockout artist, who stopped Terry Harper flat, stopped her in her tracks for three belts at 130. Love this fight as the co-main event to my third favorite fight on the upcoming schedule, which is Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall. Talk about bad blood. Savannah uh, Shields has zero losses as a pro. In fact, has not lost since the Olympic trials. You know who she lost to? Savannah Marshall. 
Savannah Marshall has knockout power. She's actually the favorite in this fight, which I find pretty odd. I think I'm going to throw a lot of money on, on Shields to win this one. That is the main event over on September 10th on ESPN+. Plus. Clarissa Shields, arguably the best woman boxer of all time if you tie in her two Olympic gold medals. The fact that she did lose to Marshall when she was like 17. Uh, the buildup for this fight has gotten contentious. I think Shields says a lot of things that, that rub... Uh, boxing fans the wrong way, but it's a huge fight overseas. This is a fight between Shields and Marshall Meyer Baumgartner. This card I thought could be on its own. You know, I was a little upset that it was on. They were putting it together and they were putting it in the UK, but it makes sense now. This is a big celebration for women's boxing. Probably the best year in the history of women's boxing. If you put Shields, uh, Marshall Mayer Baumgartner, what we saw from uh, Taylor and Serrano. So that's my number three fight. All right, getting into the top two fights on the remaining schedule. I think you know what they are. Number two, Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin three goes down September 17th on regular DAZN pay-per-view. Not regular DAZN, but DAZN pay-per-view. Uh, I know that's upset a lot of people, but I like this fight. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people say, I don't want to see this. There's no reason we need to see a third fight. The last time they fought was five years ago. Canelo's going to walk through Triple G. Really? Gennady Golovkin has never been knocked down, let alone knocked out. This fight's at 168 pounds. Triple G is close to 40 years old, doesn't have to boil down to 160 anymore, has eight extra pounds to work with, still hits hard. Does he get hit a lot? Yes. Is he susceptible to the body? Yes. What does Canelo do very well? Throws to the body. Will he stop him? I'd be very impressed if Canelo stops Triple G. Will I be shocked if Golovkin beats Canelo? Yes. Because if he does so, Canelo's career is in a tailspin. Two straight losses to Bivol and now Golovkin. Golovkin is now the undisputed 168-pound champ. There are so many storylines in this fight. I also think it's going to be a fun fight. Triple G gave Canelo the two hardest fights of his life, the toughest 24 rounds of his life. Will it be the case on September 17th. That's my number two favorite fight. Number one, drum roll, please. Here we go. It's the fight this weekend. Saturday on the zone. Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua, heavyweight title on the line. So much on the line in this fight. Usyk wins again. He probably goes on to fight Fury. He's looked at as probably number one pound for pound. And his legend just continues to grow. A guy that fights on the road, a guy that fights for his country in Ukraine. A guy uh, that is feel. I am very feel. You've seen everything from Usyk. Fan favorite. Everyone loves him. Then you got Joshua, who everyone likes to figure out his what's going on inside of his brain. Everything from the neck up with Joshua is, can he fight big? Uh, is he tough enough to be the heavyweight champion? Can he push around Usyk like he should be as the bigger man? Will he throw power shots? Will he return back to that guy he was before Klitschko when he was knocking everybody out? Because if Joshua wins, it, you know, sky's the limit. This is a guy that's made like $300 million in his career already. And now if he wins this fight, he's in the driver's seat once again. Be a heavyweight champion once again. Was that three-time heavyweight champion? And he will have a massive fight on the horizon with Tyson Fury. Biggest fight you could possibly make in the boxing world. So that's what's on the line in this fight. And also, going to be a great fight. X's and O's. I love the fight. Southpaw Usyk, shifty, versus the come forward, which should be come forward, Joshua, who is in between styles right now, new trainer. God, I love this fight. I love this schedule. And let's keep in mind that there are a lot of fights that have been ordered or rumored that have not been announced yet. Obviously, Spence Crawford, Haney Cambosos is a formality sometime in October or November. Jack Taylor, or excuse me, Catterall versus Josh Taylor. Lee Wood versus Leo Santa Cruz. Regis Progray versus Cepeda. Bivol versus Zerto. Those are all fights that are coming down the pipeline, not to mention uh, Pedraza versus Comey. Figaro versus Lipinets, which is this weekend. A lot of good fights coming. That's my top 10. If you have a problem with it, tweet me at Dan Canovio. Let's get to our guest because I'm very tired from talking. Here he is, Tim Bradley. All right, let's bring in our guest this week here on Inside Boxing Live. He is a former two-division world champion, Tim Desert Storm Bradley, current 
ESPN broadcaster, the Charles Barkley of boxing. Except <laughs> he has a ring. He won a championship. He rivals anything. He's the best podcast guest in the game. Tim Bradley, <laughs> how are you, my friend? What's up, man? How you doing, bro? I'm doing uh, what good. a hell of an intro. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, I try to come up with something different every time. You're almost like a regular here on the show, so I got to come up with something, even though I've called you the Barkley of boxing. I mean, that's a compliment. I mean, you just tell it like it is. I think it's refreshing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoy what I do, man. It, it'll get you in trouble sometimes, though. You know, fighters are very thin-skinned. You're a former fighter. You ever have a fighter come up to you or a promoter or a manager like, hey, why did you say that? Uh yeah, I mean I've had I'm I, I'm not gonna say who, but yeah, I've had a few fighters come up to me and and talk to me about my my initial comments and things, yeah. but um you know no 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 hurt no point intended in, in in hurting these fighters and you know I want to see these fighters succeed and they just need to hear the the real man they need to hear honesty because fighters we we typically hear you're the best you're the best you're the best so um I'll tell you if I believe you're the best I'll tell you you're the best. But if I believe that you need some stuff to work on, you got some stuff to work on before you go to the next level, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, so, you need that. You need that along the way. Refreshing for him, man. It's refreshing. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's talking about someone that, you know, maybe has been told that they are the best, they are the best, they are the best. It's Teofimo Lopez. Just saw him this past weekend, back for the first time since that Cambosos loss. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked, uh, you know, he settled in, hadn't, what was it, one fight in 22 months. There was going to be a little bit of rust. Uh, you know, that loss took a lot out of him in a lot of different ways. How would you rate that performance from Teofimo Lopez? Well, I mean, you know, I, I can just tell you this. I thought it was a, a, a great performance. He got the knockout. Like I expect him to get the knockout. Um, he showed that he, he showed like in, in different spots that he's special. He really did, man. The movement that he that he used, he showed some good defensive spots. Um, you know, the power, the accuracy. Um, you know, he has it, man. He really does. Um, but I think he, honestly, man, I would say he was 80%. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I can see him pacing himself, uh, his demeanor. I, you know, I was looking at his facial expressions. Uh, every now and then he'll glance over at me, I'll glance at him. You know, and, I, and I'll either smile or, you know, I'll just have just a little, you know, a little frown on my face. Like, OK, I see what you're doing. But um, you can see him pacing himself throughout the fight. Um, and, you know, there's two different there's two types of shape. So you got your American boy type of shape where you go to the gym daily, you work out, you know, you do your cardio and you might hit some hand mitts. And then there's elite boxing shape where, you know, you're doing all of those things, plus you're sparring. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, what you do at the end of the, at the, end of the night, at the end of the day. That's what you do. So, you know, I think the two weeks of sparring is, is the reason why Tail was pacing himself. I, after about four rounds, I could see him with his mouth open, um, and I could see him thinking, you know, like, damn, this kid keeps coming. He's coming stronger and stronger. Uh, I have to keep it together. I'm going to have to keep it together. But I would say if he was to spar a lot more, I would say being out of ring for 22 months, bro, like you got to you gotta at least put in 100 rounds of sparring. I was surprised least. by that, Tim. I was really surprised by the 15 rounds. It's like it's always something with, with TFMO. You're like, uh, you know, he takes one step forward, and he, but then he'll go and you hear something like, you know, he's only sparred 15 rounds. Like that's – that's, it's, it's very that's shocking it. to me. It's like, and also you saying him not being in, in you know, 80% by your estimation or, you know, mouth open in the fourth round, one fight in 22 months, you would think, you know, he would be in, in top shape. What, what's the reasoning for the 15 rounds of sparring? What's the reasoning for maybe not being at 100%, like you said, elite level, um, you know, uh, wind? I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I, I can just tell you this, moving forward, uh, those those guys at the top echelon of at 140, man, they their mouth, they were salivating. There were everybody. You had Barboza that was there. He's the top 10 guy. Mm -hmm. He was like, give me him now. You know what I mean? And, you know, you see the Twitter comments and things, you know, from Haney and different and various guys. Um, they're saying, man, he's dog food. You know, they he's dog food. He don't belong at 140. Um, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I can't say that he don't belong at 140. But I can just tell you from just this performance and what they saw, I saw it. Although I thought it was a good performance, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, coming back off of so long, but I know why he looked the way he looked is because of the two weeks of sparring. You know, yes, he looked sharp in spots. Yes, he paced himself. 
you know, yes, he got the knockout. So there is there is some good to what he's done, but I think he could have looked even better if he would at least had maybe a week or another two weeks of sparring, uh, more sparring for this fight, and he probably would have knocked the guy out a lot sooner. Yeah, it's interesting. It really is. If you think about you know, the time he's had off, a lot of guys were salivating. You know, Barboza's calling him out. You're looking at some of these other guys that can sit. You know, Progre uh, was very vocal on on Twitter as well. So basically, what you're saying is that there's another level for TFM. There's because I was like, what is this? What is Tiafimo Lopez ceiling at 140? In your opinion? Oh, uh, I think he's one of the top guys. Honestly, man, like some of the stuff that he does inside the ring, dude. Like you can't, you can't duplicate it. Mm -hmm. Like you know. His movements, how quick he is on the trigger, uh, you know, his power, his speed, his accuracy. Like, he didn't even use his jab enough, you know? Like, and, and, he, he and did I know jab why. more than I've – he did – I didn't mean to cut you off. He did jab more than I've seen in the past, though. He was jabbing to the body. It wasn't like a power jab, but he's not a jabber. He lands maybe three around, maybe two around on average. He did jab a little more, and I don't know if it was you or Andre who said on telecast, I wish he would jab even more. If he if he, if he would have jabbed – a lot more he would have been able to keep this guy at bay and he could have been able to disguise his power because when he did eventually land he actually threw a power shot first and then he threw like a vertical almost like a vertical jab up the middle where he had the thumb up and caught him right on the button it was like almost like an uppercut mm -hmm. um some may even call it a swivel jab but you know over time you can see i can see like each round i could just see like his his uh the ring rust was starting to come off yep. You know, uh, Kampa was starting to slow down a bit. You know, he was he was get, getting gassed himself because he, he was coming. He was bringing that pressure, man, and he was throwing a ton of punches. Um, and I knew sooner or later, you know, he was going to wear down. And once he slowed down just like maybe uh, 1% or 2% less than what he's – I knew Tao, just the talent. The cream always rises to the top. I knew the talent was going to come forth. And once that adrenaline got going, bro, there's no stopping. There's no stopping mm -hmm. Tiffimo Lopez. He, he looks like a special, special fighter. So right. 140, the top, give him one more fight. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a fight Barbosa. Barbosa is a fight. really, he's a really good test for him. A really good test for him. Barbosa, he beat Barbosa. Then I would say, you know what? Bring, put, bring in those top guys right now. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of talk afterwards. You know, Tiafimo will say, "Oh, my next fight's going to be on pay per view." It doesn't you know that's not really going to be the case? <laughs> most, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he he got his own plans, right? He's got his, he's always had his own plan. More so since the Lomachenko win, he's gone his own plan. I don't know who's in his ear. That's another story for another day. But a lot of talk was, "Oh, if it's going to be a, 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 a December 10th pay per view, it's got to be Ryan Garcia. It's got to be, uh, you know, Josh Taylor. Those guys are all." have to come with different issues and in, in making those fights December 10th on regular ESPN versus Arnold Barboza makes a lot of sense because if you look, take a look around at some of the guys like Zepeda and uh you know the top who's Zepeda's fighting I don't know why I'm drawing a blank Zepeda's fighting Progre Ramirez is supposed to get the winner Taylor's supposed to fight Catterall I mean those are those top five guys are all gone so Barbo a fighter like Barboza or maybe even a softer touch I would not be shocked if that's next uh for Tiafimo Nah, nah, Barboza, man. Yeah. Barboza. They, they, they know, I mean, Barboza's the guy, man. He's the perfect guy. You know, he's not he's not like a huge puncher. He's busy. He can box and he can fight a little bit. And he will he will expose himself as too. He will expose himself too. So like even in his last fight, like, you know, he showed Barboza. Mm -hmm. He showed a lot of determination, uh a, a ton of will to win. He showed a lot of craft in there. Um, at the end, he could have boxed. He just could have just sat back and boxed. He could have just easily won the fight. But, man, he chose to stand there and trade with this guy. He ended up getting caught. He ended up getting hurt late in the fight. Um, and I think that stylistically, I think it's a I think it's a great fight for Teo, to be honest with you. Um, look, Barboza fought a counterpuncher in his last fight. You got to understand that. He fought a counterpuncher, a guy that was waiting on him and was timing him. Tao's that guy too. Tao is a great counterpuncher. That's what yeah. Tao does. Yeah. You know, and he can punch with both hands, you know, mm -hmm. and he's a lot quicker than that guy. You know, so I I I would I would honestly, if they were to fight, I would honestly, and I know Barboza's my like, he's my dark horse in the division, but I think his style is tailor-made for a guy like Tiffimo Lopez. Yeah. I, I would pick Tio to beat Barboza. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would put that on record on wax that he would beat him. Um, because Teo would know that he got to be 100% ready because this guy has been calling him out for the last year or so. This guy waited months 
months before even having a fight, trying to trying to get a fight with Tiafimo Lopez. So um, Barboza, he might see something, but you know, when you get in that ring, man, it's a different story sometimes, bro. Yeah, a lot of talk with Tiafimo putting a button on this Tiafimo talk is. You know, his mental, uh, what's going on with him mentally? You know, he's a very emotional guy, even more so in the last 18 months, I would say. You spent a lot of time with him uh, last week, fighter meetings, maybe afterwards, leading up uh, to the fight. Where did you, did you see him mentally, and where do you see him going forward? Because that's such a big aspect of this game. Well, I mean, right now, he has a big he has a big circle now around him. So it's it's no longer a small circle. He has a – he has a, a, a plethora of people that's around him. He has, like, 18 people. I would say in in his uh in the fighter meetings, just hanging around. Um, some fighters they need that. Um, Teo seems a guy like he seems to be a guy that, like doesn't want to be alone, you know. Um, and having people around you, uh, they keep your mind occupied, they keep you off the keep keep you off the negativity and 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 keep things positive for you. Um, I don't know how you know how it's gonna you know help him in the future. To be honest with you, but. You know, you need what you need. Every fighter's different. Everybody processes things differently. Um, I wasn't the guy that, that needed, you know, somebody to tell me how great I was. I, I knew I was great, you know, internally. But, you know, um, a lot of guys that need that need more people around them, bro, like, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're trying to uh, – uh, what do I say? Uh, what do I want to say? How do I want to say it? He's looking for they're insecurities. The they're insecurities. Yeah, they're, exactly. they, they, they're insecure in a way. They are. They're right. insecure in a way. And I like Teo, man. I like Teo a lot. Um, but he's doing what he needs to do right now to have his psyche right. Mm -hmm. You know, so having those people around, it's it's a it's a good thing for him, but we'll see if it's a bad thing later. I hope I hope those people are real, to be honest with you. I hope they're real. And he believes that they are, so uh more power to him, but We'll see. We'll see how 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 his journey continues um, with the big, huge entourage. I remember he he walked into the studio uh, 2018. My first interview with him, and he was basically just a kid. Didn't have an entourage at all. Had no. It was just him, just him and his dad, or or him and and Evan Corn walked in. That was it. So it, it's been a, a ride. And we're watching it, and that's the, well. Well, uh, Mayweather Mayweather was like that, and Pat. Mm -hmm. Mayweather was like that impact. Mayweather had would used to pay a ton of people to to come hang out with him. And Pacquiao, yeah. um, Pacquiao was the same thing. He had a gazillion people, you know, in his camp telling him he's great, this and that. So, you know, um, it usually comes with with different types of uh, uh, personalities. Um, and you know, it worked for Pac. It worked for Mayweather. I uh, hope it works for Taylor. Yeah. Moving on, uh, Xander Zayas. That kid is the truth. Yeah, top like rank's been looking. Xander. Yeah, top rank's been looking for that guy, that Puerto Rican superstar who could one day fill up the garden the night before the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I think it's Zayas more than Berlanga. Uh, that's not really even a hot take at this point. I think Zayas is the truth. The thing is, nineteen, but you know this kid can punch with both hands. His timing is impeccable. Power, he's starting to grow into it. He's only nineteen. I mean, this kid right here is is wowing a lot of people. The sky's the limit for him, man. He's a likable kid too, and and, and he like resonates in the, through the camera, like you know, looking at him and his energy and his smile and and the way he speaks after a fight, man. The way he performs inside the ring, he's a total package. He, he truly is, and he lives he lives the life, man, of a fighter. So he's fully dedicated to the sport of boxing. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw that video that was going around of him when he was you know upset about his yeah. his uh, fight got his cancellation and stuff like that. You know, like that shows passion, man. That shows love for the game. Like he's serious about, you know, being that guy from Puerto Rico, you know, to bring to bring uh, Puerto Rico back on the map and having that superstar champion. So, you know, uh, I I thought it was a good performance, a great performance, so entertaining, man. I didn't expect him to sit there and trade with this guy, though. I, I didn't expect that. This is a guy that had experience and he had 15 knockouts mm -hmm. out of 20 something fights. So, like, he, he can punch, you know. You don't get knockouts unless you can punch. And this young man, he was like, I'm going to take your best and I'm going to see if you can take my best. Having that type of mentality is a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing because, you know, he can get caught in between with, uh, you know, as he's punching and can get hurt, you know. But, other, I mean, I like it. I like he's tenacious, you know, and that's what we want to see. We want to be entertained as, as, as fight fans and uh, as analysts. Um, I enjoyed the fight. I, I would say I would give him a B plus. 
because he did get with some shots that he he shouldn't have gotten hit with. But when you when you let those hands go, man, you create opportunities for guys to land punches on you. And, and that's the reason why he got hit uh, so often through, through the course of this fight. But other than that, sky's the limit for this young oh, man. Yeah. I, I want to see him come back. ASAP. Yeah, ASAP. Get this kid. Get this kid back in there at MSG. You know, in the fall or or the winter. Get him oh, that next can uh Tiafimo card. I mean, they seems like they have a good recipe going. Tiafimo and Xander. I think Xander. I think Xander needs a. Uh, I think he needs a homecoming. I, I think he needs to go to Puerto Rico. Nice. He needs to. to I think sell you just want to go. You just want to go to Puerto Rico. That's what you think, right? I want to go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go all that back in the day. Obviously, my dad the CompuBox uh, Trinidad. I went to Trinidad's first fight oh, wow. after he beat uh, De La Hoya in 99. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that talk about a, a territory of land that just loves boxing. And they, they really want that. And not only does Top Rank want to fill up, you know, that uh, MSG on that date, uh, you know, that Cotto did for years and Trinidad did for years. But this guy can really revitalize Puerto Rican boxing. and They, they need it. Uh 154 obviously he's only he's only 19 where do you see him like settling in when they think he'll stay at 154 160 160 160 he's still growing he's 19 years old man once he yeah. hit 21 22 he's gonna have to go up to 160 pounds and it could be sooner you know uh it just depends on because the kid likes to eat man he likes to eat and i asked him like, where you be at like you be in the 180s or you know and, and he wouldn't tell me but i i see him sometimes in between fights and he blows up Quite a bit. Um, when you're 19, you, know, you can get that off quick. Uh, man, I, I know. And that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, you get it off quick. But then when it comes to a point where you don't get it off quick, then that's when it becomes a problem. Right. So if you know how to maintain it now, it's all about creating good habits. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, if you stay 7 to 10 pounds, you know, uh, 12 pounds, you know, uh, before you're uh, uh, in front of your weight class, you know, um, then you're fine. Mm -hmm. But when you start getting 20, 25, man, that takes a toll That's on your tough. body. And you're just losing you weight. Your your whole, career. I don't exactly. care how old you are. Your whole camp is just losing weight. You don't want to do that. All right. Uh, yeah. Saturday, this Saturday, ESPN rolling out another fight night. Emmanuel Navarrete, featherweight, uh, WBO champion, taking on Eduardo Baez. Featherweight's loaded, Tim. You're looking at name. I, I know you uh, you rank the uh, weight classes, uh, one through 17. I thought it was a really cool idea. Featherweight to me is a top three division. You got, uh, Navarrete, you got Lee Wood, you got Santa Cruz, you got Mauricio Lara, Ray Vargas, Warrington, Gary Russell Jr., Robesi Ramirez. I mean, geez, that is a loaded, loaded weight class. Navarrete is a guy that I want to see in there with the top dogs at one, at 126 because he is powerful. He is fun to watch, throws a lot of punches, but we just haven't seen him yet. Uh, in that big fight, but he's got a good one against Baez. But after this, I want to see him against some of these top guys at, at featherweight. I'm sure you do too. Yeah, I, I mean, you want to see all the best fight the best. But uh, you know, Navarrete, he's interesting because he does everything wrong. Um, <laughs> he does. And uh, I mean, everything. I, I, the, I, it's like if I if I look at the history of Bob, I'm like, man, who who was another guy that like had so much success and 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 did everything wrong, man? I, and I'm trying to just pinpoint him. Anyways, I'm still got to do a little bit more research on that. But where I'm trying to go is, is that he does everything wrong. And typically sooner or later, you know, you're not getting caught. You're not getting caught. You're not getting caught. Then you get a ticket. Boom. You know, you've been speeding for months. You've been speeding for years. But then you finally get that ticket, you yep. know, that slap on the hand. I think Neverette is headed towards that, man. Um, I, I, I just I have a hard time with the way he diets. I have a hard time with the way he blows up between fights. After fights, he's in, you know, he's at the bar, he's hanging out. Uh, he doesn't really take care of his body. Um, and you can start, I can start, I'm starting to see that on his body when he gets into the ring. It's not as hard as it once was. Starting to see a lot more flab around the waist. Um, you know, success definitely brings a lot of comfort. Um, and I feel that sooner or later, I mean, I think he's about four or five fights away from being been knocked been knocked out because I mean, he's getting too. he's getting hit flush with big shots i mean I, I go back and i watch his fight with uh joette gonzalez and he took some big shots mm -hmm. during that fight and then after the fight he was sitting on a stool like he was a defeated fighter you being a winner you being an elite fighter you sitting on the stool after a fight when the hell have you saw a fighter ever sit on the stool after a fight like an elite top guy none nobody but him so um Navarrete is 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 a is a is a I would say a special type of fighter in his own way. Um, throws punches at odd angles. He has that uppercut, that left hook, 
come around the guard. I call him the high guard killer, man. Uh, Baez, Baez likes to put the high guard. He leans forward. He's available for the uppercut. He's available mm. for the left hook, the right hook. I don't see this fight going no more, no, no more past four rounds, to be honest with you. I think he's going to chop up Baez uh, immediately, as soon as they start, because Baez is a straightforward fighter. He doesn't really box at all. Um, and uh, it's going to be a great clash of, of styles, you know, but as long as it lasts. Yeah, he's he a good he gonna, Yeah, he's a very fun ahead. TV fighter, you know. Um, but oh, he is. These guys, oh, yeah. that can hit. these guys that can hit at 126, Lee Wood has a ton of power. Uh, Mauricio Lara, ton of power. Doesn't Mauricio Lara versus Navarrete would be like a war. I mean, that you're looking at guys that, that go in there and just want to fight frantic pace. That's one there, too. But it just they're all over the place. All these guys are signed with Matchroom. Some are signed with PBC. Robesi Ramirez, I, I guess, is under top rank. That could be a interesting stylistic matchup between a pure boxer versus, like, the brawler in, in Navarrete. I don't know. I want to see – I think everyone wants to see him in one of these big fights coming up. Yeah, but when, but when, but when are we gonna, when, when are we gonna get it, man? You know, exactly. I, I heard he was, I heard he was, he was supposed to fight against uh, uh, Shakur Stevenson or whatever, but I, he priced himself out. I love that so, fight. That was a rumor for about twenty minutes, and then it got squashed. I mean, but for those twenty minutes, I was like, oh, I love that fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, we don't know. You just don't. You never know when these guys are gonna fight each other. Never right? He's on this whole other plan, like you said. He's on his whole other island in terms of how he fights. Uh, he's not in any rush to get in there with some of these other big names. He's got a world title. I know a lot of these fighters want those world titles, so we'll keep an eye on that. Saturday night, also Saturday afternoon. Um, we want to talk about this big heavyweight fight, Tim. Huge, okay. huge, huge fight. Uh, the rematch. Uh, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk. I feel like for the last three years since Joshua lost that fight to Ruiz. Everyone is just so focused on how to fix Anthony Joshua. What should he do? How should he be? What's his mindset? What is he thinking? It's just like I've never seen it before, at least in my time covering the sport. So we'll start with him because I, I always like to see how we can fix a guy. In your opinion, what does Joshua need to do in this fight to win? Oh, uh, Joshua needs to be aggressive. He needs to be aggressive, one. Um, but how does he need to be aggressive? He just needs to be, uh, I would say, authoritative, authoritative like, you know, come out and force the pace, uh, push this guy back, beat on him down to the body, um, show and act like a big man. Um, if he sits back and if he tries to outbox him, then he's going to uh, he's going to be set up pretty much. He's going to be set up. The problem that I see with Joshua is, is that he's fighting a uh, he's fighting a mobile heavyweight. Mm -hmm. um, Usyk. It's just better. He's better overall as far as a boxer goes. But in transition is where Joshua's weak. That's where his problem's going to be. Um, I see Joshua getting stopped late in this fight. Yeah. Um, I was up last night studying, studying the fight, um, studying a first fight. Um, Joshua has a good right hand. Um, Usyk can't have avoided in the last fight. Um, but Joshua also has a good left hook, and he didn't use it that often in the fight. I believe he's going to use it this time around. But going back to transition, when Joshua throws offense and he's heavy on his front foot and he tries to escape, he's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that's when Usyk attacks him. Usyk attacks him in those spots where he's he makes a miss and then he makes him pay. Joshua is not you know, that fundamentally sound as far as getting out and, you know, besides putting the high guard up and trying to defend that way. Um, if Usyk wants to stop Joshua, he just needs to step on the gas himself. Yeah, look it's, at that 12th round. Step on the gas, you know, because Joshua can easily get out of sorts. I went and I watched him against Andrew Ruiz. Andrew Ruiz just let his hands go. Joshua <laughs> tried to block all them shots, just put the high guard up, and Andrew Ruiz came around it. And uh, where Joshua's weak is not the chin, it's the temple. He's weak on the temple. How do you defend that? <laughs> it's like the, I don't, it's the equalizer. I, all I can tell you is, is that anytime Joshua gets hit on the temple, his legs do the, he do the stanky legs. But you got hit in the temple you. plenty of times. I mean, that's not something you can just like defend either. You it's a soft spot. It's, it's a soft spot, spot for him. Right? It's not the chin. It's not the chin with Joshua. Yeah. You hit Joshua on the temple, on the temple, and he gonna give you those stanky legs, no doubt about it. He's weak well, it happened in the, in the 12th. It happened in the twelfth round. That's when Usyk really, really stepped on it. And you know, for years too, I've been studying Joshua. And you know, 
obviously with the copy box where we have access to the numbers. And since the Klitschko fight, there's, I think there's 11 fights. He is turned into a completely different fighter than he was before Klitschko. Uh, Joshua's jabbing a lot more. He's jabbing 67% of the time, Tim. In the first uh, fight against Usyk, he threw his jab close to 70% of the time. He threw more punches. He was actually threw more punches than Usyk in the first fight. But that's because, uh, you know, almost 70% of them were jabs. The fact that he went in there in this fight and said, you know what, I'm going to outbox a boxer. You know, maybe he was listening to the, the critics. Maybe he was listening, uh, you know, a little too much to people saying that he can't box Usyk. He, he he wants to be this guy that can go in there and show other facets of his game where he's the bigger guy. Uh, now with uh, Robert Garcia in his corner, uh, someone that can maybe blend those together, you know, 70% jabs. Obviously, the jab is the most important punch in boxing heavyweight division when you're that big and you have that good of a right hand i think 70 percent way too much what do you think no i no i don't think it's too much yeah you know, I, okay. I i think the jab is extremely important uh and it's it's a it's an important weapon to be able to locate the target and to be able to set up your power shots see the the thing is is that when you just shoot the jab alone and you're fighting against the southpaw it's, it's all about positioning it's all about positioning man and he doesn't know how to get in position to versus the southpaw and Usyk how he he avoids the right hand is he always goes to the weak side so he always goes for that the left side of Joshua to get outside of him and get around him the same thing that Lomachenko does they're they're really they're great at that mm -hmm. and and avoiding that right hand by stepping around to the opposite side and not going towards the right hand so the left hook should be a good weapon for uh should be the weapon of choice for Joshua Left hook to the body, left hook to the, to the shoulder um, to take away that angle from Usyk and come with that right hand right after and then come right at behind with another left hook. Uh, if he has problems hitting, hitting the head, the body is always there. The chest, the body, the arms, he needs to hit something, yeah. you know, to bag Usyk up off of him uh, and keep Usyk honest and keep him thinking. Um, one more thing that I see, and I don't know if they worked on it in the camp, but uh, and I had to do it against Pac because Pac had these small little feints, you know, hand feints and things that he did that just keep you burning. Honestly, it's almost like you're sitting in the driveway just revving the car. He keeps you idle. You're, you're, you're tense. Wow. Um, Joshua got to be ready for that. Um, you know, all the hand feints, feints and in and out movement that Usyk does, it's all to get you out of position. And it's all to burn, burn you uh, mentally. So, and, and, and they basically make you hesitate a lot of the times in what you're doing. You know, um, he needs to be ready for that, man. That's excellent. That's really he excellent. has to be he has to be ready for that. And how you get ready for that is, is just always being set. You know, he always got to be set and ready to punch. Always being set and ready to punch. You yeah. know, and, and that's and that has to be forced in sparring. That has to be forced during training, you know. Every time, like somebody should be moving their hands towards them just to get them used to that, and uh, that frantic, that frantic pace, and and, and that type of uh, technique that Usyk likes to use to get him out of position. I'm curious to see if Robert Garcia, what you know, he wasn't given a lot of time to work with Joshua, and there's a lot to work on. And that's a big wrinkle in this fight too. Is is Joshua getting rid of his trainer of ten years, going on to a different trainer? It's all nothing for him. I mean, this is a guy. If he wins, you're looking. He's got wins over. A, almost every top heavyweight besides a wilder and fury probably has the best resume joshua yeah if he wins uh and also i i look at resume too as taking on opponents so you always always have to win i'd look at it as a, as its entirety but just think about it from that standpoint if joshua wins you're looking at a guy who's beat almost all the top guys you're looking at a guy now who is on a crash course with fury because i don't think he's retired i'll get your thoughts on it in, in a second but so much talk about joshua what can he do to improve? What's his mindset? How does Usyk improve in this fight? How does Usyk improve in this fight? He just, honestly, it's round 13 for him. You know, uh, I, I didn't even think the first fight was that close. I thought Usyk pretty much almost damn near swept the, swept the fight. I would give Joshua maybe three, mm -hmm. three rounds or so. Um, but it's round 13. Um, Usyk just needs to get a little bit more busier with his offense, honestly. He has to keep – the way you beat Joshua is is you beat him in transition, and when you have him bagged up and out of position, you got to dominate him. You have to dominate him. And then occasionally he'll swing a wild shot. you got to be ready for it and then get back on his behind because 
he's not he's not that great defensively. He's not great defensively. He's big, so the target is a lot bigger for Usyk. And go up and down. I noticed that when he went up and down with his offense, it confused the hell out of Joshua. God, Joshua had no clue where the punches are coming from. Just don't focus on the straight left hand upstairs, you know, because that's Usyk bread and butter, that straight left hand down the middle. Yeah. Man, work them shots up and down, up and down, and confuse the hell out of Joshua. I think Usyk, so he a, he's a headhunter, Tim. And I think he doesn't really go to the body, Usyk. And I don't know if that's like something they teach in Eastern Europe or, you know, that amateur style. And also, I think that obviously you just talk about that temple shot. Uh, Joshua's so susceptible to those headshots that left foot. Like, yeah, Usyk's going to just keep going to the head. He's not going to go to the body. But if you mix it in, and I'm looking at the numbers now, he only threw 44 punches around. Uh, Usyk, uh, but he did land forty three percent of. Uh, he was very accurate. Uh, so if yeah, he he's extremely gas, accurate. If he steps on the gas, then it could be like you said an er an early night for Usyk. But it has to be later. You got to let Joshua wear down a bit. He can't just step on the gas in the beginning. You got to mm -hmm. let him wear down a bit, but just get a little bit more. I would say eight, nine, ten. Start pressing on the gas a little bit more and really pushing his pace because I think Joshua's going to come out more aggressive than we seen him in the first fight. He's gonna come out. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be waiting. I think. I think. I think. Uh, Robert knows that he can't outbox this guy, and he has to try to take it to him. You know, in a smart fashion, not not reckless, but in a smart fashion, and try to push the pace early and try to get him up out of there. I, I don't see Joshua fight. winning this fight. I don't see Joshua winning this fight unless he gets a knockout or yeah. he really hurts Usyk and and put him on the canvas several times and he gets a hit on the scorecards. But I just don't see him winning this fight, man. I I think the the movement is gonna be too much for him. Yeah, I love this fight. I love this fight because if Joshua wins, he's he's on a crash course with, with Fury. Usyk wins, he solidifies himself as a generational uh, great. Uh, Joshua has to come forward and get him out of there. That makes him susceptible to a, a knockout shot. I don't think it's going to go to the distance. I think uh, either whoever wins, it's going to be via uh, a, a knockout. So that's good for, for fans, good for the heavyweight division. Finally, get some movement in this division. These guys last fought a year ago. Tyson Fury's flirting with retirement. Uh <laughs> Is Tyson Fury going to fight again, in your opinion? Yeah. He needs boxing. He needs that's it, right? He needs boxing. That's just sanity. Yeah, that's just sanity, man, to be honest with you. Um, it's just, it got to make sense for him. Um, and he has to be in total control. Um, and I think that's, at the end of the day, I think that's what it boils down to. Um, Fury, Fury definitely is going to fight again. I don't know who it's going to be with. Uh, but... I wouldn't mind seeing him and Joshua go at it, regardless if Joshua win or not, man. Right. Um, I still think that's one of the biggest fights that that I believe that uh, the, the England, England or London, can ever produce. Um, those two guys are the biggest, the biggest names out there. Um, I would say the Brits have dominated the heavyweight division uh, within the last, I would say, ten years or so. Mm -hmm. They've been dominating the heavyweight division. Um, and that's a fight that still needs to be seen, man. I, I want to see just because Joshua you Wilder. Be, I still want to see that. I I would love to see that too. But <laughs> the the bigger the fight that's the biggest fight right now for both of those guys in their career is that one. It's almost like uh, when uh, Brooke fought against uh, Amir Khan. Yep. You know, like I don't want it late. I, I, I we need it right. now. We have it right oh, now. Yeah. If if Joshua wins, that's the fight. It's Fury yes. Joshua, undisputed, yes. and they better oh, not do God. it in Saudi Arabia. Put that in Wembley Stadium, please. If Fury wants to, if Fury wants to be somewhat considered legendary, he has to take this fight. Mm -hmm. You know, Fury is definitely an anomaly in his own way because he 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 is the biggest heavyweight that I've ever seen. That moves the way he moves, punches the way he punches. Um, I mean, you can. You can line him up with any of the heavyweights in the past, and I think he gives a lot of guys problems. Hell yeah, hell yeah. But he doesn't have. I, I feel that you know he he's won the big fights three times against Wilder, which is great. But and then he beat Klitschko, you know, legendary Klitschko, which is great too. But he still, I think there's work that still need to be done as far That's as his right. resume. Yeah, if he wants to and, be looked at as the best of this generation, you gotta yes. beat uh, Usyk. You gotta beat yes. Joshua. And that yes. it's right in front of us. It could it could most yes. definitely happen. All right, Tim. Yeah. Uh, lastly, one last thing. Uh, Adrian Broner. I just pulled out yeah. a fight. Uh, I remember. I think it was Wilder Fury two. We were in the or maybe yeah two 
or maybe yeah two for sure we're in that that tent or whatever and you had some words with broner i don't know what your relationship is with him pulled out of a fight a lot of conversations now about mental health in the sport figueroa is another guy that suffered from it ryan garcia has pulled out of fights for it adrian broner now is five days before a fight saying that he just can't do it mentally uh what is your message to, uh, to adrian broner man get help you know um I, I believe it. I, I think that the I watched the lead up to this fight. I watched how he behaved in the the press conference, uh, in the press conferences, and I and I just I wasn't a fan of it. And um, you know, the kid has he has a problem. It really really does. Um, I don't think this is made up. I, I think this is real. I really do. Um, and and this is this is what hurts to me. This is what hurts uh, badly. Um, it's because. Our sport, man, it's the wild, wild west. And there's nothing really attached to the sport. I mean, you have the sanctioning bodies. And I, I just feel, honestly feel like somebody needs to do something to help the fighters be able to cope, uh, you know, with the CTE that comes along with our sport. You know, the NFL, they, does, they do a lot. Of, they do a great job with having different programs and things set up for, you know, guys that are going through, going through it. Um, they need something. They need something for these fighters, man. They really do. I, I see too many uh, fighters that leave the game, and you know their life is turned upside down um, because of CTE. Uh, I'm not saying Broner has CTE, but when you get up, see it upside the head as often as, as he did in, in his entire career, it's uh, it's almost inevitable not to have it. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm just saying, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose him, but uh he's under a lot of stress man a lot of stress um uh, outside of boxing um and if you're not 100 percent mentally man um it's hard to step foot in that ring man it really is so i applaud him for stepping away i, I really do because a lot of guys they they do it for the wrong reasons um i know money may be an issue maybe not i don't know but you know him stepping away i applaud him for that because he's not 100 percent at all um and i know that just watching just yeah. watching the press conference man he is mad he's crying out for help world. crying out for help oh. and and you know he's probably fighting because he needs money don't and know you don't, don't know, know but you're right you don't want to you don't want to but you know he's been out come out and said I, I, I want fights and and i want you know i need to be paid he puts that stuff on instagram a lot of it we look at it as oh it's his yeah. left there's a b being a b you know that's just entertainment you know the, a guy that probably doesn't deserve to fight in main events if you take a look at it i thought he lost his last fight hasn't won a fight in in a long time uh he was strictly in there because of his name strictly in there because of his antics the same antics that now we're looking back on and saying you know what th th those you know that's someone that's not right so i do applaud him as well i've always be someone that, that all right. I always be someone that comes out and, and applauds these fighters, whether it's Ryan Garcia, whether it's Omar Figueroa, that come forward and say, you know what, I'm not right in the head. And I do wish, I'm glad you said that, Tim, I do wish there was more help for these fighters. Like, you know, sanctioned by WBC, they can all have their plans, you know, the IBF, whatever. They can all have, you know, their little uh, plans to help these fighters afterwards. But let's be honest, once you're done fighting, you know, you're, you're no longer given the WB. They're not taking that percentage from you. You're nothing. They got nothing to, to, to take from you anymore. So who does it come down to? Is it not going to come down to the networks? I don't know who it comes down to. That's the one thing the sport's missing. Like you said, it comes down to you. It comes down to it you. Comes down, it comes down to you. Honestly, when I, when I went through what I went through, it, it boiled down to me and, and, and I need to change. And, and that's what Broner needs. He needs to, he needs to, you know, reflect on himself, reflect on his life and, and just, you know, look at his downfalls. Why? You know, he you know, why he's in the position he's in and he needs to make some changes. It's not mm -hmm. over for him, to be honest with you, it's not. I mean, you know, he has to attack one thing at a time uh, and just prioritize it, you know, from the highest down to the, to the lowest, right. uh, whatever issues is going on. But, um, you know, he look got to look at himself first and he has to accept it. And then he has to get help. And that's just it. And once he gets to his, to his help and he's a lot better, then he can return to the sport because I think he has, I think he has talent. You know, oh, Broner has talent. Not that old. I'm looking up how old he is. Uh, what is he? 33. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's been the, on the, the kid scene has for a while. He's been on the scene for a while. 33 kid years old. Extremely talented. He really is, man. And 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 I hear about him in the gym and how he tears up guys at sparring and, and how he looks. And that needs to that needs to translate into the ring and the bright lights. And until we get his mind right, 
that won't ever happen. So take care of you, Broner. Um, bro, I'm here, man. I, I'm always here, man. Um, it's easy to get my number. You know, it's just boxing this is a small community. Mm -hmm. um, but shoot, I'm here, man, to talk to. And, you know, I, if you need to reach out, bro, I'm open arms, bro. I'm right here for you. Great stuff, man. I'm probably spend the whole time talking about uh, this aspect of the sport that doesn't really get discussed a lot. So I'm really uh, thankful for uh, those words and your perspective on that. Thankful for your perspective on everything, Tim. You're one of my favorites. Thanks, bro. You know this. Appreciate the time. Good luck to your daughters on that soccer circuit. <laughs> Keep those tables nice and clean at the restaurant. Whatever else you've <laughs> got your hand in, doing all sorts of different things, staying busy. Uh, I always appreciate when you come on the show. So thanks a lot, appreciate Tim. Appreciate you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Peace out, man.